This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Equity Mind. I will say this about investing. Everything you do learn is cumulative. What I learned at 20 is useful. Equity. Welcome to another episode of Equity Mates, a podcast where we help you learn to invest in 45 minutes or less. We break down the world of investing from beginning to dividend so that you can hopefully make some returns. My name's Bryce, and as always, I'm joined by my equity buddy, Ren. How's it going, bro? I'm very good, Bryce. Very excited for this episode where we break down some of the recent earnings results we've seen overseas. Yes. It's a great time of the year for investors, earnings season, and there's always some surprises and there's always some interesting stories that come out of it. None more so than with COVID Mm. in the front of everyone's Mm. mind and really affecting the fortunes of some of these companies. There have been some big winners and some big losers in this reporting season. So we'll get stuck into all of that in a minute. Just want to cover off some housekeeping and we are very, very excited, Ren, to be hosting our first virtual live event tomorrow, August the 11th, 7.30pm. It's called Ask the Experts ETF Special. And we're teaming up with the ETF experts, BetaShares, one of uh, Australia's largest ETF providers, to answer all of your questions. You know, we get so many questions coming up in our community to do with ETFs. It's a hot topic, always is. So we are taking the time to sit down with Elon, who is the co-founder of BetaShares, to go through everything from hedging, leverage, portfolio construction, the basics, sort of everything you need to know over about an hour session. So very much looking forward to that. It is free, which is great. Anyone in Australia or around the world for that fact can join. All you need to do is head to www.betashares.com.au forward slash equity dash mates. And uh, you can sign up and also submit your questions. So it's going to be fun, Ren. Yeah, it's going to be interactive. We will be taking questions throughout the night. We'll be trying to, you know, put a poll up or something so people can tell us what they want to hear us talk about. We want to make it as valuable as possible. So yeah, sign up and join us. Don't leave Bryce and I just hanging with no one on the other end. (laughs) That's right. That's right. So uh, look, we're looking forward to seeing you all on the line tomorrow night. Uh, As I said, it's free. You can join from your lounge room wherever you are. 7.30pm, betashares.com.au forward slash equity dash mates to sign up. So very much looking forward to that. Yeah. 
Just as well, another housekeeping, if you're not following us on Instagram, please go over and do so. We're using it as a a sort of big tool to push a lot of our content and interesting stuff that we're finding during the week through the community. So just uh, head over and follow us on Instagram at EquityMates. If you're interested in this episode, if you enjoy learning about some of the results that companies are reporting, if it helps you build a thesis for a company or knock down a thesis that you were building for a company and you want to keep track of some of the earnings results as they happen, we'll commit. Instagram's going to be where we'll share some of the most interesting ones. <laughs> Big commitment, but that's fine. That's fine. Right, Ren. Well, without further ado, let's jump into it. So reporting season is just about to kick into full swing here in Australia, but it is very much in full swing over in the States. If you've just joined us for the first time on the show, welcome and welcome to the Equity Mates community. Fantastic to have you. If you're unsure what reporting season is... Ren's going to give you a quick rundown. Okay, so these public companies are obligated to tell the market, tell their shareholders how they're going. In America, these companies report quarterly. So every quarter they release, you know, how, how much revenue they made, how much profit they made, and then, you know, other material impacts or other material metrics for their business. In Australia, it's generally done every half. And so we're at this sweet spot at the start of August where the American companies have reported their second quarter earnings and the Australian companies are just about to report their second half earnings. So we get a fire hose of information from companies right about now and that's really reporting season. Yes. So the Aussies are actually reporting full year. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Because so, uh, we had run to a different financial year to the states, but uh, yeah. Anyway, full year coming in from F twenty one, F twenty. Yes. Yeah. 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 So, where do you want to start, Ren? You want to start obviously with what's to come for Australia over the next couple of weeks in terms of some of the stocks we're looking forward to, and then get into uh, some thematic stuff. Yeah. Well. This episode is out on the 10th of August and there were a few earnings, uh, Australian companies that reported earnings last week. ResMed is obviously a very interesting one given its relation to COVID, you know, making ventilators and stuff like that. I saw that you made a note about Nick Scully, given that you're... uh, really nesting at the moment, domesticating, <laughs> settling down, eyeing off a $2,000 leather sofa. <laughs> Not true. <laughs> um, so Bryce has uh, highlighted that one. but Retail, retail, that's why. <laughs> <laughs> but there's a few companies that I'm interested in that are reporting in Australia this coming week. So I pulled out a couple on each day. And mm-hmm. I guess that's the thing with reporting season every day there will be an interesting company reporting, if not more than one. So today, Monday, a couple of real estate plays, GPT Group and Charter Hall. So obviously, everything's been thrown on its head with COVID and the property market. Different sectors of the property market have been affected differently. So those reports will be interesting and their commentary around different sectors of their businesses. GPT, for example, has big exposure to offices. So it'll be interesting to see what they say about that. Tuesday, Shopping Centres Australasia is a company that, as the name suggests, holds a lot of shopping centres. So it'll be interesting to see what they're saying about their business and what we can take from that around retail, your favourite sector. Yes. Wednesday, bit of a financial focus day, Commonwealth Bank reporting and then Magellan Financial, the company that runs Magellan Global Fund and stuff like that. So it'll be interesting to see how they have performed during this COVID period. Thursday, a couple of ASX market darlings, a couple that have 
done very well over the past few years. Treasury Wine Estates and Breville. I think Breville was one of your first yes. uh, stock picks with Julia Lee. Yes. And then Friday, another company that you have fallen in love with and are also looking at with your uh, near-term future plans in mind. <laughs> no. Baby Bunting is reporting. <laughs> no, no, no. And then one other one that I was quite interested in, given we've had the co-founder on the show, Baylador, and the co-founder, Paul Wilson, will be reporting their earnings on Friday alongside Baby Bunting. So a few names that I'll be looking for. I'm sure... You've got some names as well. <laughs> yes, you're right, Ren. Although a lot of the stocks that I am interested in are coming in the following week, uh, week commencing 17th of August. There's a lot of companies reporting. Obviously, A2 Milk. You've got Sydney Airport, which I think will be interesting. JB Hi-Fi, Flight Center. You know, we're starting to get into a, a lot of the companies that, that are going to be impacted by cochlear. Obviously, APT is going to be <laughs> impacted very by cochlear. Oh, impact, impacted by COVID. COVID. Co- cochlear is having a <laughs> rampant impact on the ASX. Jeez, <laughs> oh, that, that one slipped out of nowhere. Anyway, but I think what I want to address here is where do we actually get this information from? Like yep. people will want to know where we're actually finding this info. So where did you find uh, information Don't on? you have a calendar that on the 1st of January every year you mark every earnings day? <laughs> <laughs> I wish I did. That'd be quite good. But <laughs> where do you go to find info on who's reporting? So I just Google ASX earnings calendar and there's generally, you know, Morningstar or Yahoo Finance or Comsec will generally be the first result. And they have a calendar where you can see what's coming up and you can search for companies as well. Yeah, there's plenty of people that track when companies are reporting. Nice, Ren. Just want to shout out to our mates at fnarena.com. You can head there. They've got a really comprehensive uh, reporting calendar coming up Um about 300, 350 stocks, so worth having a look. They have also offered our Equity Mates listeners a four-week free trial if you use Equity Mates as their offer code. So go check that out. So I really missed the memo there when I just said I Googled it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, so let's kick into some of the action that's happening overseas. A lot going on. And uh, rather than just read out, I guess, you know how companies have performed, we want to talk about this from the point of view of some of the major themes that are occurring and impacting some of the results. So let's obviously start with the most obvious and most pressing, I guess, and that is COVID. Yes, yes. And I guess the tagline that we've written down is, overall, the effect of the COVID shutdown is clear, but it's not as bad as expected. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Interesting. Do you think that, that the same will be here in Australia? Probably, probably. I mean, it's weird. Like the the US government's lockdown and then non-lockdown and, you know, whatever the policy mix over there has been, it has been different to Australia, let's say that. But I, I imagine the broad trend will hold. The other thing to keep in mind is it's all about expectations in yes. when uh, companies report their earnings and you know, you can you can have a great result, you you can your profit can be up, your sales can be up, but if the market expected more of you, then your share price can still fall. And the flip side happened here. So the actual results were not pretty. Average earnings per share of the S&P 500, so the 500 biggest US stocks, was down 36%. So basically, a third, over a third of the US market's profits were wiped out in Q2 2019. But it's a good news story because the market expected 44% down. So it wasn't as bad as expected. 
And in fact, 83% of S&P 500 companies beat their earnings estimates, which is a record high. Mm. Apparently, never before has 83% or more of companies beat Wall Street expectations. So I think the, the real narrative that has come out of US earnings season so far is everyone expected it to be a bloodbath. And it was just a blood puddle instead. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> don't get this confused with everything's going well. Like no, companies no. are still absolutely uh, in the lurch and getting hammered, but just not as bad as people originally thought. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, and so what you've seen then is that, that everyone has sort of readjusted their expectations upwards a little bit. Like it wasn't as bad as we expected. So they expect it to be a little bit better than expected going forward. That could be a fraught assumption. But I guess we'll have to wait until next earnings and probably a couple more earnings seasons to see. But where I want to stick with the COVID theme and the conversation we had around expectations Mm -hmm. is that expectations can really be a double-edged sword. Yes. So the market as a whole breathed a sigh of relief because expectations were really low and on the whole, the market or companies did a little bit better. Mm -hmm. But there are a few companies and we've pulled out two in particular that had big expectations going into this earnings season because COVID was really meant to help them. Yep. Um, and those two companies are Netflix. Everyone's at home. Yes. Everyone's locked down. Yeah. Uh, a lot. That so the market was expecting big increases in subscriber numbers, revenue, all that stuff. And the other company is Snap. Now, Bryce, you're an avid Snapchatter. <laughs> no, I'm TikTok, baby. I'm TikTok. <laughs> and they also had big expectations. So. We'll start with Netflix and we'll get to Snapchat. Yeah. So Netflix, for context, since the start of COVID lockdowns, their share price had risen 60%. So people were expecting good things from a company that thrives when you can't get up from your couch. And it reported pretty strong numbers. So it reported revenue of $6.1 billion for the quarter, which was up 25% from the same quarter last year. And its profit or its earnings was $720 million dollars which was up 166% from the same time last year. So on paper, that looks great, but the share price fell 6 7%. And really, that's because the expectations were so high and the market expected more good news to come. They expected Netflix to say that as the lockdowns around the world continue, subscriber numbers are continuing to grow, but they sort of reported that that wasn't the case and it was actually slowing. And so despite some really strong actual numbers, the company's share price fell after they reported. So it's all an expectations game. So annoying. You'd be spewing as a company CEO. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you would be... All these hot shots in Wall Street setting expectations and you're just like, no. Well, I mean, and that's, that's... There's a whole expectations game that CEOs and CFOs play where how high do you set expectations? Do you want to set the bar low and keep beating expectations or do you want to set it high and meet it? What you don't want to do is set it too high and not meet it, but there's a whole art and science to earnings estimates and expectation setting. The other company, Snap. Now, yeah. Snap is a it's an interesting company. I completely forgotten about Snap, to be yeah. honest. Like They had this big fanfare IPO that was meant to be amazing. Then they tried to move into becoming a, you know, photography tech company. Yeah. Cameras. Cameras. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah. So they're still kicking around, obviously. Still kicking around. So their share price more than doubled since the start of the pandemic. So a lot of expectation there. And their results were pretty good. Their revenue was 454 million, which was up 17%. For the quarter. For the quarter. 
they still lost money. I don't think they've ever turned a profit. And they're... What are they losing money on? They're earn- yeah, they made a bigger loss than they did last year. So they lost 28% more money this quarter than the same quarter last year. So not great from them. And then their share price also fell because the boost in numbers in users it had seen during COVID, to quote them, dissipated faster than we expected. So Snapchat, again, big expectations, share price more than doubled, and it really fell away. So, Well, I mean, yeah, two interesting examples of what it uh, means when you don't beat expectations, Ren, but there have obviously been a couple of winners from COVID, particularly in the retail space. Your favourite space. My favourite space. Food retail, even more so. Do you want to give us a run-through of some companies that have smashed expectations and put out some almost unbelievable quarterly figures. Yes. <laughs> like, yes. We had to do we had to cross check our numbers here yeah. because it was so, <laughs> these some of these numbers are so ridiculous. Now, the a lot of the big food retailers in the US, the ones that first come to mind haven't reported yet. So, Walmart is reporting on the 18th of August, Costco on the 24th of September. Gee, that's going to be interesting. Yeah, Target on the 19th of August. Dollar Tree, which is like a big discount store. I'm not sure how strong in food they are, but discount retail, uh, 27th of August. So they're all going to be ones to watch. But two that have reported, Kroger and Albertsons, which are two of the biggest pure supermarkets rather than you know the Walmarts, which are sort of everything department stores. So Albertsons and Kroger both reported and you can see the effect of panic buying in their numbers. So if we start with Kroger, which is the biggest, their revenue was up 13.5% for the quarter and their profit was up 47% for the quarter. So, so we're talking a three-month period here, just three to month be clear, period, for yeah. quarter, quarterly. Yeah. But the crazy thing for them, so same-store sales were up 19%, which as a, as a retail guru like yourself would know is unbelievable. Yeah. And their digital sales, so their online sales, up 92% for the quarter. So you can just see in those numbers that volumes were so much higher and that people were shopping online so much more. So panic buying really helped them. But then we get to the company that blew us away and we had to double check the numbers. Albertsons, company that I sort of knew about but didn't really know much about. Yeah, me either. Second largest supermarket in the US, probably what? Double the size of Woolies in terms of 2,500 stores, yeah. So two and a half times the size of Woolies yeah. in terms of um, total number of shops. So their revenue was up 21% and their profit, and this number was the one that we had to double check, their profit was up over 1,000% for the quarter. Crazy. And we haven't dug too deep into what drove that. COVID. Um, yeah, but, but <laughs> revenue up 21%, I know. profit up 1,000%. That's some nice just, margin increase there. Boosted margins. But yeah, the uh, the company's net income was $586 million for the quarter compared to net income of $49 million for the same quarter last year. Yeah, we. I mean, if you, if you look at Kroger, their profit up 47%. And then Albertsons. So Kroger, in terms of uh, store size relative to Albertsons, is not actually that much bigger. They have 2,900 stores, Kroger, and Albertsons 2,005. So not too dissimilar, yet the numbers are just outstandingly different. Yeah, maybe they were just ruthless capitalists and just, <laughs> just marked up toilet yeah, paper just like went nothing to town else. On pricing. <laughs> 
Nice one, Renwell. You mentioned some of the other retailers that are reporting. Very much looking forward to seeing what happens with them. Equally excited to see what happens to some of these Australian retailers over the next few weeks. But you've also pulled out here that Bank of America has actually put buy ratings on a number of these retailers. Do you just want to give a bit of a synopsis on what that actually means? Well, I mean... So investment banks put out analyst reports with buy, hold, sell recommendations. They never mean anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They, they always make for good headlines it's for our financial media. Yeah. But yeah, I think if you look at what happened during COVID and then if you look at some of the results that you've seen from the retailers that have reported... It's probably not a stretch to put a buy recommendation on some of the ones that are still going to report. Yeah. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Right, so continuing with the, the COVID theme, it's obviously had significant impact on some sectors and industries within the economy, none more so than travel. Now we've gone and pulled some numbers from some of the big uh, transport providers in uh, America, particularly obviously airlines, and had a look at some of the cruise ship companies as well. And uh, Ren, let me tell you, it's not a good time to be in travel. It's not a good time. <laughs> there is a lot of interest in, you know, the Equity Mates Facebook group and other Facebook groups about airlines, and I understand that. I personally haven't put any money into the airlines, and I don't think I'm going to because depending on how long these shutdowns last, we'll get uh, into the cash burn metric, which is a really important one. We'll explain it, but they maybe have to be going hat in hand to the government at some point if these shutdowns continue for another couple of quarters. So I guess we start with the airlines. Yep. So there are four big airlines in America, American Airlines, United, Delta, and Southwest. And so to give you an idea of how much their revenue has fallen, respectively, American Airlines down 86% from the same time last year, United down 87% from the same time last year, Delta down 90% from the same time last year, and Southwest down 83% from the same time last year. I mean, so their revenue has all out. just fallen off a cliff. Yeah. Makes sense. No one's really flying. But what that means is that they've all made a loss for the quarter. So none of them were profitable for obvious reasons. But then it introduces this idea of cash burn rate. Because running an airline is an expensive business. Yes. <laughs> and you're not bringing any money in the door. It means that you're burning cash that you have in your balance sheet to pay your expenses. And so the four airlines reported a daily cash burn metric, which was basically 
how much cash they're spending a day to cover their expenses that they're not recovering in revenue daily. daily Keep that in mind. Yeah. Daily. daily. So the numbers are American Airlines, $55 million a day. <laughs> That's crazy. United, $40 million a day. Delta, $43 million a day. And Southwest, $23 million a day. Which is just nuts if you think about it. And this really comes down to, you know, you need to dig deep in in and look at these companies. It will eventually get to a point where either they have to reach out to the government for support, they'll have to reach out to their shareholders and do another raise to get some money to cover their cash flow. Or there's a high likelihood that some of them might go bankrupt and go insolvent and get, get snapped up by a competitor or whatever it may be just because they don't have the cash to continue running their day-to-day business. To put those numbers into perspective, Ren, Qantas also have a cash burn. Theirs is $40 million a week though. Yeah, right. So okay. nowhere near as, I guess, intensive as some of these big American airlines. But but still, they've uh, they've said that at that rate... They have enough to last until December 2021 not flying. From that point onwards, if they can't get any more revenue in the door, they're going to be in serious trouble. Yeah, yeah. And so the a lot of these companies, and I'm sure Qantas has done the same thing, um, have short, short up their balance sheets. Um, you know, there was when debt markets were really petrified in the beginning of COVID, it was difficult to raise capital that way but given you know unprecedented liquidity from the fed returning confidence in the market uh, a lot of these companies have been able to shore up their balance sheets so uh if you if you do hold these companies or you're building a thesis around one of these companies go to their quarterly reports go to their um transcripts of their investor calls and read about what their balance sheet situation is um, and how much run rate they have based on their current cash burn um, they all provide commentary on that. They all provide commentary on where they expect their cash burn to move. You know, they're constantly, you know, m- moving things around, potentially uh, rearranging the deck te- chairs on the Titanic or getting things in order to survive this period. So, yeah, if you're building a thesis around it, there's plenty of commentary on that because it, it is going to be the most important thing. A lot of the stock prices have obviously followed this a similar direction. I'm just looking at American Airlines at the moment, down 56% from its peak in February. So, look, they're providing a lot of, I guess, opportunities for some investors to get in on some of these stocks at drastically reduced prices. Rent, you know, and you follow the whole buy when others are fearful sort of theme from Buffett and look for these opportunities. But what would be required for you to actually consider buying into airlines again? Well, I never have owned an airline, so but... But I mean, you, you said at the start of this that, you know, a lot of people are interested in buying into yeah, these, yeah. Um, but we both kind of agree at this stage, it still doesn't seem like the right thing to be doing. Yeah. Is it a vaccine that you'd be looking as a trigger point or a catalyst, or do you think they're all, these guys are always going to be in trouble? Three things come to mind. One is general economic opening. And so that would be, you know, a vaccine or... Trump actually just saying we're going, Doing it. we're just opening up, we're we're hoping for herd immunity and just get on a plane and live your Fly life somewhere. So that that would be one. But the important thing there is you got to look at government policy, but then you've also got to think about like how people are actually going to respond to it. Other state governments in America going to step in, but that would be one: a general opening up and sort of a path to returning to normal. Number two would be a government bailout Mm -hmm. if the government decides that these airlines are too big to fail and is going to guarantee their solvency and going to basically 
protect them, then your, your downside risk very quickly goes away. So that would be the second thing. The third thing, I guess, would be a relative bet. If one of these airlines got their house in order or found some way to, you know, rip the seats out and sublet their planes to DHL and FedEx and Amazon Air or something, like some way to bring that burn rate back into non-burn, ideally, or at least far lower than their competitors, you'd potentially make the bet that the likelihood of them surviving is a lot higher than their competitors. And if one of their competitors goes under, Mm. they're going to be in the best position to take market share from that competitor. Mm. So potentially there's an investment thesis you can build around that. So for me, those would be the three things that I'd be looking at. But again, there's so much uncertainty in the airline industry and there's no guarantee that the market share that these American airlines own they will continue, continue. to own. Yeah. I mean, there's a bunch of government-backed airlines around the world. Can they take market share? I don't know, but yeah, it's it's not a great time to be an, an airline executive, I'd have to say. Well, what about an executive of uh, a cruise ship company <laughs> around? <laughs> so equally, the cruise industry has sunk, pun intended. <laughs> What do you think of that one, Ren? Not bad. <laughs> Couldn't you tell from my reaction? <laughs> yeah, I was, I was expecting more than that, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> Carnival Corp and Norwegian Cruise, both two big cruise ship operators, have taken some serious hit. Do you want to run us through the numbers there, and Yeah, so these companies are both US listed. The revenue for Carnival Corp down 85%. And then the revenue from Norwegian cruise down 99%. I mean, God. Yeah. <laughs> Spewing. <laughs> Honestly, I... 99%. So, Carnival still pulled in $700 million in the quarter. I just want to know where they're getting that money from. Like, they well, must they're have... still sailing, aren't they? Are they? Yeah, I'm pretty sure they've got boats on the water. People are getting on cruise ships in Sydney Harbour. Really? Yeah. Well, maybe not in Sydney. I look. I, that's not. That, that's not. <laughs> that's not fact checked. But, um, <laughs> that is. But you can book cruises because I see all these things being like super cheap cruises. Blah blah blah. Yeah, yeah. So both of these companies reported rather than daily cash burns, they both reported monthly cash burns. But similar concept, similar problem that they're facing. Carnival is burning six hundred and fifty million a month, and Norwegian smaller company is burning one hundred and sixty million a month. So same thing again, the fundamentals of the business, depending on how long this lockdown goes for, aren't there. Like the costs are too high to sustain this for, you know, a prolonged period of time. Now, similarly to the airlines, they've all shored up their balance sheets and they've provided a fair bit of commentary around how much runway they've got. They've all got billions of dollars worth of debt facilities and stuff like that. So they've all got some time on their side. But at the same time, you come out the other end and you just crippled from a balance sheet perspective. It doesn't paint a rosy picture. No. So, Ren, I should fact check what I just said. You can't be buying tickets for a cruise. Doesn't look like, at least through Carnival here in Australia, any sooner than December this year. So maybe it's uh, earnings for next year because there's a lot of cruises that you can buy for next year should things peter out yeah right and you're a notorious cruiser um so... oh, really <laughs> name one cruise i've been on <laughs> so i would imagine you're um pre-booking a few holidays at these cheap rates well yeah rent out my place in sydney and then uh and then jump on a cruise ship not bad
So we have covered off the COVID impacts. We've covered off food retail, uh, Netflix and Snap. Ren, let's move into the trend from bricks and mortars to online in the retail space. Yeah, now you love retail, as we keep saying. The retail whisperer, as you've been asking me to call you. And uh, I, I am known of, I am I, known as the retail, retail whisperer. I, I actually heard that given your success with retail stocks and picking winners, Afterpay, Baby Bunting, Breville, uh, City Shake, <laughs> I actually saw in our joint email account that uh, a few retail CEOs have reached out to you and asked, asked to, <laughs> for we? you to be on the board. Is yeah. that, can you yeah. confirm that? I cannot confirm or deny that. Right. Ren. Okay. <laughs> are you are you actively information? Are you actively taking requests um, for you to sit on the board of retail or retail associated <laughs> stocks? Again, I will take that as a comment. And, oh, uh, really? You're playing it coy. <laughs> Yeah, look, uh, so anyway, we'll move away from uh, the retail whisperer and uh, look at back what's happening overseas. Well, let's start with Amazon. Some pretty phenomenal quarterly numbers coming out of Amazon. Yeah, so revenue up 40% from the same time last year to $89 billion. $89 billion. So their profit doubled up 100% from the same time last year to 5.2 billion. Now, you've got to remember with Amazon that it's a retailer with a very profitable cloud business and a few other businesses tacked onto the side, but the bulk of its revenue is still coming from online sales and it is growing. <laughs> Absolutely. It's abs- it's just kicking goals. So, it investors will be pleased to see the profit number going up for a very very long time there they weren't even making a profit. Bezos has had the view that reinvest a lot of the money back into the business, long-term growth. That's sort of been his plan, but obviously now kicking in. It's important. You always take, you still take Amazon's profit with a grain of salt, especially the movement quarter to quarter, because you're right, their whole strategy is long-term value creation and that profit number moves around quarter to quarter. It's not, you don't, you wouldn't expect like a steady hockey stick up mm. like like you see with their revenue if you chart it out and that's that's their philosophy that's the investor mindset that they've cultivated with their investors and there, there's no reason to suggest that anything will change there but yeah 100 percent up not Huge. bad now the next one i want to pump your tires a little bit ren you've been you've had your eye on this stock for a while and i'm pretty sure you bought into it recently and kudos to you because they've had uh, an incredible reporting quarter two and that stock is Shopify. What's your thesis and what happened? Yeah, so we, one of our first afternoon beer discussion uh, YouTube series, we talked about the online retail landscape and the battle between Amazon and Shopify and the two different models of online retail that they represent. Amazon is a centralized marketplace where it has, it sells its own stuff, but it also tries to aggregate as many third-party sellers onto its marketplace. It wants to be the marketplace for online retail. Shopify's model is different. Shopify's model is to create the infrastructure to make it easy for online businesses to build their own shop, to create their own marketplace on their own website. And these two different models of online retail clearly are both doing very well because we talked about Amazon's numbers, they're going up. Shopify's numbers also very strong, albeit from a much lower base. Revenue up 97% compared to the same quarter last year. And its earnings 
was negative last year, uh, but they made a profit this quarter of $36 million. Nice. So I think the broader story that we're seeing play out with both of these sets of results is that the shift to online retail is still alive and well and is accelerating through this COVID period, which isn't a revelation. Like People are aware of that from their own habits and plenty of media about it. But you can just see that Amazon and Shopify have different models of how online retail should work and you can have a thesis on where it's going to go. But really, what we're saying is there's plenty of pie to go around. Heaps, heaps. Yeah, it's an interesting broader point around having a digital footprint, you know, talking to a lot of the fund managers that we get in here to interview and the companies that they're all going after are the ones that are either transitioning to a digital world from your traditional sort of bricks and mortar or old school way of doing businesses and the and those businesses that aren't capable of doing that at this stage are the ones that are getting absolutely burnt. So I think it, from my point of view, Ren, it's something that I look for when I'm investing in any stock is, it's obviously not a tech stock, but what is its digital footprint and what is its strategy to kind of build its presence and operating, I guess, rhythm online? The thing with Amazon, obviously there was, there's been a lot of criticism that they rip off third-party sellers and the Wall Street Journal had a big expose that we included in Thought Starters, our emailing list. God, we're getting a lot of plugs in here. That's great. <laughs> but, you know, you could say you could say that. And also the thing is, if you're a third-party seller on Amazon, trying to win that search term for whatever product you're selling mm-hmm. is a brutal fight. Arguably, the buy it now button on Amazon is the most valuable real estate on the internet and it's tough to compete in there. And so I think we're seeing a lot of businesses through this COVID period move online, but want to you know, be in control of their own destiny and don't want to be beholden to the rules and the algorithms of the Amazon search function and marketplace. Break them up. Well, break them up or just build it yourself with Shopify. And <laughs> So yeah, I, I find this dynamic fascinating mm. obviously i look to you as the retail whisperer oh, for guidance no 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 i think between us got some good retail sort of stocks in there but anyway let's close this chat out ren reporting season nothing more interesting than obviously the big tech yeah can't talk about american exactly uh, stocks without talking about apple alphabet microsoft facebook the tech names that dominate our minds dominate the media Lives. and dominate the markets. Yes, they're now a part of us. They're in our DNA. <laughs> <laughs> so they have been going through some, I guess, recently, weren't they, in Congress or yep. getting grilled by the US uh, senators. And, you know, if you were lucky enough to watch the riveting conversation that that was, obviously all the CEOs are up there just talking absolute smack, in my opinion. They're not really getting grilled. But anyway. In defense of the, the House committee that grilled them, <laughs> If you look back at like the start of the Trump presidency and some of the testimony and the questions that were asked compared to now, it's clear that those Congress people have staffed up and built okay, some good. technology good. because the questions were a little bit more robust than they were back <laughs> okay, in the day. Good. Still some ones that you scratched your head over, but uh, <laughs> they're obviously boning up on their uh tech know-how yeah so there's that there was also a moment there where people were questioning facebook's model given that there was a slowdown in advertising yeah alphabet as well and alphabet and obviously these businesses solely well not solely but heavily heavily rely on advertising revenue coming in but given all those circumstances you still look at the performance uh, of their last quarter and they're still pumping out some pretty decent numbers yeah so comparing 
half one, so not quarter, but two quarters put together. So half one 2020, so really January to the end of June, compared to half one last year, the five big tech companies all saw profit increase despite the COVID slowdown. So Amazon's revenue was up 34%. Apple's revenue was up 6%. Alphabet's revenue was up 6%. Microsoft's revenue was up 14%. And Facebook's revenue was also up 14%. So you can just see that despite, you know, obviously it was a headwind in some senses, but a tailwind because people were online more with COVID. But despite the disruption that was COVID, these tech companies just keep growing. Yeah, Ren, speaking of growth... You know, we've just gone through the fastest market crash and recovery in history. We're facing economic climate that is similar to sort of Great Depression statistics in some instances, depending on what you're looking at, even worse. Yet we are on the brink of seeing a $2 trillion company. And, yes. that, was, <laughs> and that was your one of your bold predictions for 2020 was that we would see a $2 trillion company. I think at the start of the year, there most a couple of them were in the $1 trillion. Just, yeah. just. And it's phenomenal to think that Apple... Sitting at one point nine trillion is has almost doubled its market cap in the last sort of seven months or so, which is just phenomenal growth. One point nine trillion US is more than two it is, trillion Australian. It is, but I think you know. Yes, you're right. But I, I in, like, the in Aussie spirit, dollars. The spirit of the bet was two trillion local currency. And look, it's probably going to hit it this week. <laughs> if things go the way they have been, we're going to we we might be lucky enough to see the first 2 trillion dollar publicly listed company. So, look, phenomenal growth from these big tech companies and they're just uh, eating everyone that's in their path. So, look, go long. Well, well no don't go no, long. no, no buy, specific hold, or sell advice. <laughs> <laughs> but personally, personally we yes. are both long. Yes. <laughs> Nice, Ren. So that closes out the chat around reporting season. As you mentioned, this week is the start of some of the, I guess, juicier companies here in Australia, and that's going to continue for the next three weeks or so. We'll try and keep you updated, as we said, through Instagram. Yep, we're going to be pumping the content through Instagram. Yes, uh, pumping content through Instagram. Next week, we'll come back and hopefully, or maybe the week after, and review some of the reports from the Aussie companies and maybe follow the same sort of theme, retail and what's going on and uh, see what happens. And you know what this sets us up perfectly for? Yes. We've got our hypothetical portfolio. Yes. We've done the basics of building the core ETF portfolio. Yeah. And now we get to go to the fun stuff, the satellite portfolio. Yes. And this earnings season, there will be plenty to talk about, plenty of theses to build on or, you know, start working on. So I think we've timed it well. I think coming out of this reporting season, both in the US, Australia, we'll obviously have a little look in Europe. It's not markets that we've looked at much, but there's plenty of interesting companies there as well. So we'll start pulling out some names and putting some hypothetical money down. Gee, given that we've uh, committed to liquidating the portfolio, I'd hate for Afterpay to beat expectations because <laughs> that thing's going to go through the roof. Well, let's put it this way. <laughs> there's no way that Afterpay could beat your expectations <laughs> given the sky high. I've uh, said it's a $100 <laughs> stock and it's not there yet. So anyway, I that's think not it's a $100 market cap. <laughs> 
<laughs> nice one, Ren. Well, look, we'll leave it there. As I said, if you are interested in getting more info on reporting season, have a Google or head to FN Arena. They've been kind enough to open up the platform to you guys for four weeks. If you want to check it out, use Equity Mates as the referral code. But look, Ren, we'll leave it there. Exciting times for all investors, reporting season, and we'll catch up next week. We'll actually catch up tomorrow live <laughs> this is <true>. streamed. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> and we hope to catch up with everyone listening. Yes. Thanks for listening to Equity Mates Investing Podcast, a production of Equity Mates Media. Please remember that everything you hear in Equity Mates Investing Podcast is general advice only. The content has been prepared without knowing your personal objectives, specific financial circumstances, or goals. The host of Equity Mates Investing Podcast may maintain positions in the companies discussed. Before considering any investment, please read the product disclosure statement and consider speaking to a licensed financial professional. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.